We're back here with another episode of Fantasyland, the fantasy football podcast where we talk about all the players the experts won't. I'm Michael Fumafredo with Coast to Coast Sports, and this one should be an interesting one. We're going into our first running back draft rankings today. But before we start with that, we got a little bit of breaking news. First, regarding the quarterback position, Aaron Rodgers this past week tweeted out one more. And most people are speculating that that means he will return to the Green Bay Packers for one more season. Now, I told you last week that he was in my tier, my category three, which was players that were worth the risk. I had him at QB 12. But with this breaking news, I'd honestly consider moving him up to probably into the elite category. So I've updated my rankings. Now, he's in that category one with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and all the rest. So he will be my number, my quarterback four going into the draft this year. And that pushes Russell Wilson down, adds a fifth guy to that elite category where I draft them in the fourth to the eighth rounds, probably somewhere around there. And the rest of the rankings pretty much stay the same with more breaking news coming out of that situation. We might see some fluctuation in where we draft Aaron Rodgers this year. Same with Deshaun Watson, but I think he's going to stay relatively about the same considering the state of the Houston Texans right now. Uh, go Moving on to the running back side before we get into our actual rankings. This one kind of hurt because I spent all week making these rankings, figured out I had it perfect, and then Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams, who many consider to be a first, maybe early second round pick this year, and definitely a running back one. He is out for the season with a torn Achilles in practice. So, Today in today's show, we're going to have to talk a little bit about him, maybe what Daryl Henderson's going to have to do to balance out this injury. But let's get into it. These are my running back categories and rankings. We're going to split this one up into two episodes today just because there's a lot of guys. I have 66 guys ranked. Uh, keep in mind, we're only really playing in leagues where it's two running backs and maybe a flex, and then you got to fill out your bench. But in a 10-12 to 12 man league, this is what you're going to see get drafted. Probably five running backs per team gets you to about 60. And when you think about it, there's only 32 teams out there. So half these guys are really backups or third stringers that could make an impact later on in the season, but definitely not week one. So how are these rankings going to be a little bit different from what we did last week with the quarterbacks? I think there's going to be less options at each position or in terms of running back one, running back two, three, four. But with that Cam Akers injury, now I only have nine guys that I would consider really a running back one, so to say, which I guess is it's not ideal because most people are playing in 10, 12, maybe even 14-man leagues. But honestly, it doesn't really matter where I have guys as an RB1, as an RB2, because in the, in the grand scheme of things, you're, there's going to be 12 RB1s on a team. Sometimes teams get an RB2 as their RB1 just because someone in the later first round, they take two RB1 quality guys, and basically the rest of the league doesn't have like that. That's where the balance kicks in. But in t- So let's take this as an example. Now with Cam Akers out, I have nine people in my team. RB1 consideration. I'm looking to, I'm targeting one of these guys in my first round. 
if I have if, if there is a situation where I'm towards the back half of the first round and none of these players are available, that's still okay. I'm just going to focus on upgrading that position later on, maybe take one in round two, round three, and round four. Maybe I have my tight end or wide receiver if Travis Kelsey's there. But you're just going to look for that, try and balance it out. If you don't have a if you have a weak RB1, you're going to have to have a stronger RB2 and just keep that in mind. But like I said, this is all relative to your league. I did a 12-team mock the other day when I was just bored. I was at work. It was raining, so we were sitting in the shed. And I did a mock draft, and six of the players I ended up drafting at the running back position, they all were part of my top 50. So you're going to have this availability with running backs. It's not going to be a big deal like I thought it would be, but you're definitely going to be in a boat where you're going to think to yourself during this draft, like, why was I so scared to draft a running back so early that a lot of these guys are still where they are? But let's get right into it. These are my official draft rankings for the running back position. In Category 1, I have six guys that I considered the bona fide studs. I got Christian McCaffrey at 1. That's an obvious one. Then I go Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, and Nick Chubb. And all these guys, I, I've been talking about a lot about the where are these guys are these guys going to get the opportunities? Are these going to be a bell cow back? All these guys will get the ball on their team, probably twenty touches a game, barring injury. These guys are going to be like top ten guys no matter what. The one guy that most people are concerned about, and I seem to be seeing him falling in drafts later and later, is Nick Chubb, and that's just because of the Kareem Hunt. Uh, tandem that they got going on in Cleveland. Nick Chubb is a bell cow back. And I don't know why people are so scared to draft him. You know, I think I, I said it a few weeks ago. This is the year he's going to break free of that Kareem Hunt uh, balance right there. Maybe Kareem Hunt's still around in the passing game. But I would watch a lot of Cleveland last year on red zone just because I had Nick Chubb on my team. I'd focus in on what they're doing. I'd see Kareem Hunt come in a lot on the goal line, not score for two tries. Then they bring in Nick Chubb. He barrels in for the touchdown. I think Cleveland's starting to notice that. I said it a few weeks ago that when when Nick Chubb was healthy and on the field, we started to see Kareem Hunt's numbers get very touchdown dependent. So Nick Chubb's the guy that I'm really focusing in on. I'd love to have him on my team again. I believe this is his fourth year now in the league, but... I think you're going to see less of a split in carries this year with him and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's really just going to be a pass catcher at most. Maybe he'll get some opportunities when Chubb gets tired. But I could even see maybe them out in Cleveland putting Kareem Hunt in the slot at receiver on some possessions. That could be something to look forward to. But I have Kareem Hunt. We'll talk about him later later on in the show where I have him ranked. But I'm not going to spend too much time on these guys because these guys – you have no problem drafting. They're going to be top dogs regardless. Category two, though, I have my low-end RB1 tier. Same thing. I just think there's a lot more uncertainty in what they could do. I had three guys. It would be four if Cam Akers was still around. But all three of these guys could easily finish as a top, I'd say probably three to five in that range. I, I don't think they all will, but... Definitely, we could see a chance where one of them does. So, I have Austin Eckler very high. 
in my rankings, and I think he's going to have a fantastic season. He's definitely a PPR or cheat code this year. I think he went, he's, when the mock draft yesterday, he went a lot higher than I expected him to, but if you're in that back half, the later, probably three or four picks of the first round and the top six guys go, Austin Eckler's a great target. So I have him at seven, Aaron Jones at number eight, and Ezekiel Elliott, who many people are torn on just because he was a guy that people were drafting in the top five last year, got hurt. Now Tony Pollard's got some kind of – Tony Pollard basically looms large over the Ezekiel Elliott fan club right now because he performed when Zeke was off the field. But I'm going to say there's not going to be a split this year. Zeke Elliott is still the number one back in Dallas. He is their bell cow. He's their workhorse, whatever you want to call him. You don't have to worry about Tony Pollard as much as you think you do. Tony Pollard, he's a great player. I think if Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt, Tony Pollard's a great guy to have on the team to step in, but he's not going to be a starter each and every week at the flex position. I don't think he's going to get enough opportunities with Zeke on the field to really perform like he did when Zeke's off the field. And he won't be taking the significant amount of touches that you need to be a sustainable fantasy option or a vulture to one of the top dogs. So Tony Pollard's a great handcuff. I think if you draft Ezekiel Elliott, you might want to think about in rounds 11 to 12 scooping up Tony Pollard, but if he's still there. But I don't think Tony Pollard's a guy you really have to worry about. Draft Ezekiel Elliott. He's not he's not going to get you the same amount of points as Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara but definitely enough to sustain an RB1 position if he's healthy. In my Category 3, now this is where it starts to get interesting, I'd say, because now you start to see a large groupings of people instead of five or three to five guys in each category. I got seven guys in what I call the safe running back two category. And this one I kind of wanted to split up into two categories, but all of these guys are basically the same thing. They have RB1 potential, but I don't have like the, the gut feeling that they will be an RB1, so I have them definitely being RB2s. Uh, all of them can finish in the top 10 to 12, or a lot of them can. I don't know if they all will. But in terms of finishing in the top 20, this is where I think these guys would go. And we want these guys at their floors. Remember that. That's what I've been preaching in the past couple episodes is draft guys at their floor, not at their ceiling. So when I talk about these guys, starting at number 10, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon at 12, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Antonio Gibson, Chris Carson at 15, and J.K. Dobbins, all of them at at the number 16 in my rankings. These guys, I could see them with RB1 potential, but I'm not going to draft Najee Harris as my number five, as the fifth guy off the board. I think he's definitely going to be in a position where he's going to be the workhorse back out in Pittsburgh, I think there's not much competition elsewhere in that running back room to really take carries away from him. And he's a stellar guy. They drafted him in the first round out of Alabama to run this offense like Le'Veon Bell did a few years back. And one of the guys that a lot of people have been so high on, I spoke about him in the mock draft recap episode, is Jonathan Taylor. And I've decided that this year I don't think he's going to be the bell cow that everyone thinks he is. You still have Marlon Mack. You still got Naheem Hines on the roster. Both of those guys play different roles on the team. Naheem Hines definitely a better, uh, 
the best pass catcher in that room, and Marlon Mack coming back from injury, but still was the starter to begin the season last year. So I don't think he, he's just going to give up all the touches to Jonathan Taylor. I think Frank like Reich likes to use a lot of running backs. We saw it last year, the split between Taylor and Hines. And although jo- Jonathan Taylor is still going to get a bulk of the carries, I have him lower than what I think an RB1 would be because I want him at his floor. I don't want to draft him as the, the sixth or seventh guy off the board, which is where he's going. I want to take him in a spot where if he doesn't pan out, like I said a few weeks ago, he was a flex play at best last season, and now you're drafting him as a top 10 running back? It just doesn't make sense to me. I think he's still going to get a bulk of the carries. He's still going to have fantastic games against Jacksonville, Houston, and the rest of his schedule, but uh, I don't want to stay. I want to stay away from him in the first round. If he falls to me in the second round, I wouldn't be opposed to taking him, especially if I took someone at the quarterback position early on in a 12-man league. But we'll see because hopefully a lot of fantasy players don't catch on to this fact. And Jonathan Taylor ends up going earlier on, and you can take a guy like Eckler or Aaron Jones or Ezekiel Elliott in that late first round. But I'll give you a bonus bell cow for this round. This category because I said not a bell cow for Jonathan Taylor and that's Chris Carson and I went back because I thought about Chris Carson and how he's played performed over the past three seasons and I remember he's always been in like that top 20 range so I dug deeper saw where he was finishing each and every season he was 11 the running back 11 in 2018 all the way up to running back nine in 2019 and then last year finished the running back 16 so he's always in or around that top 15 possibly even higher and this is a guy that every year goes as an rb2 or a flex so in a 12-man league the out of the past three seasons two of them he's been an rb1 and you're this is a guy that we haven't been drafting as an rb1 each and every year this is a gimme in terms of i want chris carson on my roster because He's a guy that's going to outperform his ADP. And that's just what you want in fantasy football. I know he was, wasn't was very productive and in the touchdown realm last season. He, was, he only had five rushing touchdowns, four receiving touchdowns. The Seahawks like to throw the ball. Russell Wilson's going to get a lot of touchdowns through the air. Hopefully he gets a little more to Chris Carson this year. And I think he's going to be a stellar fantasy play. Moving on to my category four, I called these guys the not-as-good bell cows. It's from 17 to 22. I had Josh Jacobs, who I'm very high on at 17, Mike Davis, then Daryl Henderson, who shot up the rankings this past week, David Montgomery at 20, Damian Harris, 21, and Miles Gaskin at 22. These guys, and what I call them not-as-good bell cows is... They're going to get the same opportunities as a guy like Aaron Jones or Ezekiel Elliott, maybe even Najee Harris. They're all guys with nobody really to compete for touches in their backfield. But are they going to produce as much as the Dalvin Cooks, the Derrick Henrys, the Saquon Barkleys? Not at all. And when you look at it, the same thing. This is their floor. This is where, in worst case scenario, they might end up. 
best case scenario, these guys are RB1s. And this is now up to the tw the 20th guy that I'm saying this where these all these guys can – it's so unpredictable that all these guys can finish in the top five in any given year. It's just where do you want to draft them? Is it a guy that – Christian McCaffrey, we know 100% is going to be RB1 through 3. So we're going to draft him as such. Josh Jacobs, he's a guy that can finish anywhere from RB, RB1 to RB20. So we're going to draft him as such. Uh, and the guy I wanted to talk about, I mentioned it earlier, is Daryl Henderson in Los Angeles. He is their bell cow back now. Think about last year when Malcolm Brown was there, basically their bowling ball, getting him into the end zone. Cam Akers was their rookie who, once it was his time, he just ran with it, and that's why people were drafting him so high this seat before he got hurt. And then Daryl Henderson... Another guy they drafted early on three years ago, he was kind of pushed to the side in certain games, but in the ones where everything went according to plan, there was really a 60-40 split between him and Cam Akers, and, I, and most people were expecting it to be the same way this season coming up. Now with Cam Akers gone, there's like four undrafted rookie running backs that are really competing for the touches. And is Sean McVay really going to give some unproven rookie that they didn't even draft 40% of the carries when they got a guy that was proven in Daryl Henderson that they drafted high in the second round a few years back? And this is a guy that could flourish as a pass catcher as well. So I think he's going to be a bell cow. And don't worry about last year's numbers. Like I said, he was splitting time with two other guys, two other guys that played significant roles and Daryl Henderson was kind of pushed to the side. But now he's splitting time with no one. So all those carries that he missed out on last season, they're going to him. This, Like I've been mentioning, this Rams offense is going to be a lot better than it was last year. I'd go Daryl Henderson if you have the opportunity to draft him. As high as round three, honestly. Maybe you'll get him in round four, but round three seems like a perfect spot to draft a guy like Daryl Henderson. You could probably get him as an RB2. Maybe even a flex option if you want running back heavy. But definitely keep that in mind. He's a stud. And I think he's going to have a great year like the rest of this Rams offense. Category 5. Now, I remember when I talked about worth the risk, guys, last episode. It's going to be very similar with the running back position. All these guys I have a little bit of doubt on. I'm not going to lie. There's probably one thing that I can mention about each and every one of these guys. Maybe it's a player. Maybe it's their season last year. But these guys, I think, are worth a risk. And you can take them. Some of them are really on the borderline of being that RB2. This is where I stop saying guys are going to be RB1s. I don't think any of these guys will get that high. But definitely in the realm of possibility where they're an RB2, probably going to be a flex option for you guys throughout the year. So DeAndre Swift at 23 kicks it off. Travis Etienne, Miles Sanders to round out the top 25. Then we got Chase Edmonds, James Robinson, Zach Moss, and Kareem Hunt at 29. And I wanted to talk about, uh, well, most of these, before I get into my bell cow or not, most of these guys are going to go, like DeAndre Swift, he's been getting drafted in the top 20 running backs uh, 
undisputedly in my drafts. I said don't do that. Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, I think those guys are going very similar. Possibly RB2 range, but definitely flex range. There's just too much surrounding them where I'm not thinking about drafting them that high. Uh, but Travis Etienne, I, I would say don't be that guy. Travis Etienne and James Robinson, though, this is probably the most interesting uh, running back conundrum I've seen in years. Because James Robinson, let's talk about him first. Last year finishes the RB7, undrafted rookie, set up for a phenomenal year this year with them getting the first pick in Trevor Lawrence. I don't think a coach, especially a new one, would throw a guy that was proven to be a stud last year. I don't think he kicks him to the curb and just puts him on the bench for the guy they just drafted. But on the other hand, Travis Etienne, who was drafted in the first round by the new coach, Urban Meyer, he's not going to let him, he's not going to sit him and just have him on his bench. You don't do that for a first round running back. Look at Najee Harris, who went a couple picks later. I think Travis Etienne, though, has more upside. He's a much better pass catcher than James Robinson was last year. And definitely in the future, Travis Etienne is going to be the running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars for the next few years with Trevor Lawrence. So here's my outlook. Most of the time, you want a safer pick to be starting week number one. You want to get those wins early just so you're not scrambling to make the playoffs in the later weeks. James Robinson, weeks one through five, this is where he's going to shine. I think you draft him like that. He could be your flex for a few weeks until you find someone on the waiver wire that can replace him. He might be the guy that you put in most weeks, but he could be a weekly start at the flex for the first month of the season. Eventually, though, he's going to take that Gus Edwards kind of role where J.K. Dobbins is the clear-cut starter. Uh, James Robinson, to, uh, Travis Etienne is going to be the clear-cut starter in Jacksonville. In certain situations, like they have a great matchup, Travis Etienne's not 100% or even out. Then you have James Robinson on your roster, and he's going to be a start that week no matter what. Right, so just to recap, James Robinson, early year, safe pick. Travis Etienne is the upside pick, and he's a guy that you're going to have to draft with that upside, maybe even closer to his ceiling than you might want if you want Travis Etienne on your team. But definitely not a bad pick by any means. Moving into our, I think, oh, we have, yeah, this is our final category for today. It's getting a little long this episode. But I call this the flex, flex bench borderline. It's players 30 through 34, so five guys. And to round off the top 30, Raheem Mostert, out in San Francisco, Javante Williams at 31, Ronald Jones, Melvin Gordon, and Michael Carter at 34. So now 34 players I ranked. In a 12-man league, you got 12 RB1s, 12 RB2s, and then the flex position, you're not going to have 12 running backs. Some people are going to start wide receivers in that spot. So think about these guys as some that could be a flex, some that you might have on the bench as an option, but definitely rotatable guys if you can get them. Uh, I think you're going to start them in the flex in most weeks unless you have a PPR god like, I don't know, Cooper Cup as like your RB3, but I don't think you're going to get them there. Uh, 
But a guy I wanted to talk about, and this might be a steal this year in the draft, is the Javante Williams in Denver. He was a second-round draft pick out of North Carolina with my 34th-ranked guy, Michael Carter. Those guys basically split time, but they put up uh, bell cow back numbers. So he, he was definitely talented on the ground, through the air. And he goes into a situation where the Broncos have Melvin Gordon, who I ranked at 33. Uh, I think he's starting to get on his last legs. He's definitely a big name, which is why I have him at 33, and I definitely think he's going to be a have a lot of touchdown upside. But that's going to be it as you start getting later on in the season. He's definitely going to be like Adrian Peterson was last year where they used him in goal line situations mostly. And he was definitely a guy you could consider starting on a good matchup just because the touchdown upside was there. He's still a little injury prone, but the reason I have Melvin Gordon so high, even though I have Javante Williams ranked ahead of him, is because it might take time for him to really grasp that starting role from former first-round picks. Uh, but then again, he could also come out of the gate as the RB1 on the Denver Broncos, and whoever drafted Melvin Gordon just wasted their pick pretty much. So Melvin Gordon, in that sense, I'm staying away from, even though I have him ranked in this category, because the touchdown upside is there. But Javante Williams is a guy to keep an eye on throughout the preseason. Does he come out, really impress the coaching staff in Denver, and then Melvin Gordon week one finds himself riding the bench? Or does he take some time to develop, splits time in the beginning of the season, and then come playoff time, he's your go-to guy? We'll just have to wait and see. Before we wrap up today's episode, I just wanted to send a quick prayer out to Jets assistant coach Greg Knapp, who was injured in a bike accident yesterday and is actually battling life-threatening injuries. So a quick prayer to him, his family, and the entire New York Jets organization and coaching staff for a quick recovery there. But next week, we're going to continue our running back rankings, get into the bedtime zone as I've called it. We'll talk about some sleepers, how to fill out your bench in deeper leagues, and basically break down guys you don't want on your roster at all. But with that said, once again, I'm Michael Fumafredo of Coast to Coast Sports here on Fantasyland, the only fantasy football show where we talk about all the stuff the experts won't. Check us out on social media. Check out some former Coast to Coast episodes on YouTube, and we'll see you next week.